Many people thought that the Boston Bruins would be in trouble coming back from Florida. Austin thought they'd go one and one We learned last night that's not the case. We're talking the Florida road trip, the past weekend news, and much more. Boys of Beatdown coming at you right now. Broadcasting from the heart of Austin, this is the Boys of Beantown, your source for weekly Bruins news, analysis, and updates. First place is a wonderful place to be, isn't it, Austin? Yes. Oh, wow, you're changing it up today. Well, coming back from Tampa last night with a 1-0 overtime win, the Bruins are now tied for first place with the Tampa Bay Lightning. A very impressive week of Bruins hockey. Let's jump right into it, Austin. 4-2 win against Chicago. and Honestly, probably the biggest win of the entire week. Because it's such a momentum builder to start off. I mean, it really just got everything started and getting going in the right direction. I don't think it was the biggest win, but I do think it was very important as far as getting all the momentum going. Well, I say, I say biggest win because it's one of those momentum builders. You know, it just gets the whole drive going. It's a 2013 Stanley Cup rematch. We all know what happened back then. It was ugly. We survived three minutes of six-on-five hockey, which is basically a three-minute power play for Chicago to end the game. I mean, last time that happened, the two goals in 17 seconds, RAP 2013, but... Too soon. Too soon indeed, but we survived, and they won the game, and that's huge. It was just a really strong team performance, and it, like you said, it really got the boat rolling, kind of. I mean, everything just really came into place there. It was a strong team performance. It was a strong 60 minutes of hockey. I mean, that third period was a little iffy, and that six on five was tough, but, I mean, really great game overall. Well, with Bergeron's one goal and one assist, he uh, tied Terry O'Reilly for eighth on all-time list of scoring with the Bruins, 606 points. That is what he stood at. That got blown out of the water over the past couple of days. We'll talk about more, that more to come. Tukaras, a 9.26 save percentage. He moves to 26-18-5 at the time, making 25 of 27 stops. An impressive performance against probably the, one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, Hands down. It was a strong defense. I mean, both teams kind of struggled offensively, if you like it. I mean... 25 to 27 on shots on goal. You're looking at some of these games the Bruins have had where they're giving up 42 shots, and I mean Tuka's just getting left out to dry or Gustafson or whoever. But I mean it was it was just a really good overall performance. I mean offensively, defensively, everything was just clicking. It was really nice. Bergeron, Marchand, Spooner, and Erickson all contributing to the win. Bergeron's the first star. John Michael Lyles gains the second star with one assist and one point, almost 20 minutes of ice time, and Tukaras takes home the third star. 50% of the power plays, it's always nice to get a power play goal. It really is. I mean, this team, the power play has been a really strong point for them. The penalty kill, I mean, it's kind of been forced to really perform at a high level, and everything's just been clicking. The power play has been really good. I mean, Tory Krug, I mean, has just been a great defensive or offensive defenseman. That was a tongue twister right there. I'll say. But, I mean, the team is just clicking. Everyone's kind of doing their job in that Patriots mantra, and it's just overall great well moving on from chicago the bruins went to washington dc they lost two to one in overtime they still stole a point away from the capitals which is not the easiest thing to do because we all know the washington capitals love to just pounce on the boston bruins bergeron putting one in to start the game but unfortunately that's all the bruins would get two garage 28 30 saves a 933 save percentage the bruins did lead and hits 28 to 16 it's a tough loss but he stole a point from a top the top team I, I think it really showed a lot. I know it was a loss. I think, I mean, you've been calling me out for all my wrong predictions, but I think it was a really big game. I mean, they held the Capitals really one goal through three periods, that overtime goal. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a tough loss, but 
all in all, it's a really great team that you're playing, and it was a really great performance overall. Tuca has been performing consistently, which is all that you can really ask for. He's not given up six or seven goals like some of the earlier games in the year. It's just all that you can really ask for from him. It's just the offense needs to kind of step it up. It's one of those games where you took him to overtime, we'll accept it, we'll take it, I can live with that fact. And moving on now, Florida road trip. I've always said I hated going to Florida. I'll admit I was wrong. This is a great road trip. Starting with the Panthers, 5-4 to four victory. It was kind of iffy there. 4-1 to one after the first period. Bergeron putting in two. Connolly, Pasternak all contributing. And we give up two three-goal leads. I think, I think I texted you that night during that game, originally saying, wow, this team is on fire. I mean, you look at that first period, it was insane. But... I mean, after that, I really think I texted you twice saying what the hell is happening right now. Yeah, they started to implode. Lee Semniak got the overtime winner, putting a beautiful shot in. I mean, honest to God, it was, you know, Montoya had no chance in saving it. You know, uh, Luongo did start the game for Florida. He was replaced once it was 3-1. to one. I get that. He wasn't playing great. Montoya did stop 15-16. to 16. Tugaras stopped 47-51. That's a high for him in saves. Uh, like I said, Florida putting 51 shots on net, though. That's a lot of shots. It was it was weird. It was like they kind of just flew. I mean, it's the whole thing about playing 60 minutes and that this Bruins team just struggles with it. But, I mean, they came out just on fire in that first period, and then they just gave up. And you could see it defensively. Tuca's getting left out to dry. Like, I'm not going to blame all that on Tuca. I mean, a lot of it oh, was Oh, God, no. No way. Overall performance was pretty horrible through those last couple periods. Luckily, Stepniak really saved it in overtime, and they pulled out a win against a really tough team. I will say, I called that. I know you're going to call me out for the next Uh, one, but I called that win. You did. And with that win, Claude Julien, that's his 388th win. He becomes the all-time winningest coach in Bruins history, which is always a feat that you want to see. Good on him. Many more to come, because you know he's not done yet. And I want to do a shout-out, though, to all the people out there in Bruins Nation that had said in the beginning of the year, this is Claude's last year of coaching. they got to get rid of Claude. They're going to fire Claude. I think I was saying that back I think in you October. said that, too. Back in October. I, I, I think I said it a couple weeks ago that Claude Julien yeah. is to blame for a lot of the struggles that this team has been and going through. And you know through. what? They're all wrong. I mean... This just goes to prove Claude Julien should be in contention for Coach of the Year. I'm, if they can keep it up. I will say that. If they can keep this up and stay consistent, then yes. Like, the turnaround that this team has had has been insane. But... You have to admit, back in October, you didn't think this... We were talking about every week, this team is horrible, it's not going to have a deep playoff run. I was questioning whether or not they'd even make the playoffs, and a lot of that falls on Claude Julien. And yeah, it's great, he got that milestone. Yeah, they've been performing well, but can they keep it up? Well, we'll have to find out. 15 games to go. Looking at Tampa Bay, though, last night, I texted you, and I told you, my God, I'm having a heart attack from this game. My blood pressure was going up, because it was just so intense... 0-0 0-0 hockey game, Gustafson's in net, and when you see Gustafson come out for that game, you scratch your head. That was the first thing when they announced Gustafson was in net, I was wondering, what are they doing? This is a huge game, I mean, it felt like a huge game throughout the whole thing, but you just wonder, why send him out there against a tough team? He hasn't been performing great recently, as much as you talked him up at the beginning of the year, but... He just hasn't been on point, and this game really turned everything around for him. It's just what he needed. It really was. The career performance from Gustafson, 42 of 42 uh, shots were saved. That's a 1,000 save percentage right there, 1, ladies and gentlemen. 1,000. 1.000, the 1,000, as they call it on television. Gus, I mean, the guy was on his head all night long. That was just a great goaltending battle. That's all I'm going to say. Ben Bishop is... Oh, my God. Ben Bishop is a god. I don't know how... 
Like, that overtime goal was just beautiful. I can't fault him for that. Bergeron with a great pass. Marchand finishing it out. Just everything was perfect there. That was just a really great game. As you tweeted out, and as the boys of Beantown follow, what is it, at boys of Beantown? At boys of Beantown. They tweeted, um, what was it, that it felt like the Eastern Conference Championship. It really did. You're flashing it back a couple years. That's really what the mentality was last night. It was a playoff game that the Bruins were fighting tooth and grin on right there. All physicality, everything that you really want. It's like the old school Bruins style, that they're just performing well. The goalie was that. Um, Gustafson really kept them in that game. Marshan said it after that he won that game for them. But and see, like, it was and just a strong. I still think it was a strong team performance. And it was a Bishop huge team was performance just on his head for the entire night. I mean, Bishop got third star of the game. Gustafson got first. Marshan got second because of that beautiful overtime winner. Ten seconds in overtime. Bergeron to Marshmont. We've seen it a thousand times. We'll see it a thousand times Marshmont. more. Marshmont. Marshmont. That's his nickname. Haven't you seen it on Twitter and all that? I mean, I thought his name was Marshan. It is Marshan. We call him Marshmallow and Marshmont. I'm going to look that up. Fact check. Do it. Marshmont. That's what everyone's calling him. But a beautiful one-time pass from Bergeron to Marshmont. He gets it in. Beats Bishop. Scott Raising Zolak. My hands Scott before... Zolak last night called it Marshmont. It's an I actual know, but thing. I, first thing, if you type in Marshmont and Marshan on Google, it says Bruins Marshan, not a fan of Marshmont. Well, you know he what? hates it himself. You know what? That's because he can't appreciate a good nickname. Calling you out there, wow. Marshan. Wow. But uh, it's the first time since March 30th, 2010, that the Bruins won a one nothing game in overtime in the regular season. And that last time that happened was against the Devils. But this is a very big game. The Bruins needed to win it if they wanted to keep playing great hockey. Okay? It's, you just need to. Penalty kills. Four for four. We could not get a power play to save our life. There was no calls going for us. We were, I mean, thank God the penalty kill was great because if that penalty kill messes up even slightly, your whole system is thrown off. I, I will say, yeah, there were a couple missed calls. I saw a couple, like, blatant trips that you saw the Tampa crowd react to. Oh, my God. They were on fire. And I mean, that building was shaking. Yeah, and, I mean, they went against the Bruins. Nothing got called, it seemed like. But, obviously, you can't leave it up to the refs. That's the one thing. I mean, if you ever played sports that's the one thing everyone will say don't leave it up to the refs and the Bruins kept fighting through it and everything was just perfect I mean it was a great overall performance the penalty kill was insane and they really really held true throughout the entire night well speaking of penalties I do want to bring someone in right now uh Zach is a referee he does this on a daily basis he understands the Bruins didn't have a lot of calls go their way not against Tampa not so far on the road trip the power plays were not coming. The challenges were not going our way. We had a lot of penalties called against us. Zach, what are your thoughts on the way the refs are calling these penalties, and how is it affecting this Bruins? You know, the refs can only do so much. Uh, you're out there with five guys scanning as hard as they can. Uh, refs are going to have their vision blocked, so when the uh, puck's going towards the ref, he's in charge of the puck, but the guy behind's in charge of everything else. <coughs> and if the <coughs> guy going uh, towards the puck is blocked then that ref can't make the call, and the the back judge can hop in, but it's a tough one to get into. Okay, but it's one of those things, though, that, you know, Tampa has four power plays last night. The Bruins don't get a single one going their way. The challenges, I mean, the the new offside rule is killing us. You know, with the refs, we had the same refs in Tampa as we did in Florida. Is that causing the ref to be a little more cautious and calling more against Boston so it doesn't get out of hand the way it did in Florida the day before? Yes and no. I've had those games where you have to call more penalties on one team because you had them the night before, the, uh, the week before, and you know what they're capable of. So you want to limit their uh, scrap and everything that they do, and so you're more able to call penalties on them and uh, reduce their risk of 
causing injury or anything like that. All right, well, thank you very much, Zachary. Now, looking into Bruins news, seven Bruins players were invited to compete in the 2016 World Cup of Hockey. Bergeron, Chara, Erickson, Krejci, Pasternak, Seidenberg, and Tugarask were all invited to the initial roster updates. Whether they'll make the final rosters is yet to be seen, but it's still a step forward. It's kind of nice to see seven Bruins players representing the team when they go play in the world competitions. My, my one thing is where is Tori Krug and where is Brad Marchand? Honestly, I... Those I, are the two names that immediately stuck out to me. Tori Krug has been playing amazing. Whether uh, What's the age limit on the Team North America or whatever it is? I have no idea. I think maybe 21 or 25 or something like that. I don't know if Krug means that. I feel like he should have made at least the USA team, and Marchand should have made... Uh, was he Canadian? Yep. Yeah, he should have made that. T- I mean, it was just—it was a weird omission, especially with the year Martian's having, the way he's performing the last couple months. It—it it was just awkward. It's the same thing with Subban too. It's I mean, just as one much of those as things. we hate talking about PK Subban, he got gypped as well. So yeah, I mean, and so turning away now from the World Cup of Hockey, looking at what we have on the ice right now, Lyles and Stepniak are making a very big improvement right now. I like it. I like what they've done so far. They're not trying to overplay themselves, but. I, I will admit, I have to kind of eat my words. I was all over. I was so against these moves. You were you were actually a fan of them. You yeah. you understood where they were coming from. For me, I just thought, like, why try and make a play? Like, this team, did, a couple weeks ago, did not look talented enough to make a playoff run. And it, it just seems, I mean, they were smart moves. It helped with chemistry. They're just gritty guys. They have a bunch of energy on the ice. They're doing their job. They're just real Bruins players. They seem to both fit really well and just just perform their role to the best of their ability, and that's it's helping this team tremendously. It's a big part of these seven points that, yeah. or seven of eight, as we were saying. So yeah, and like they're not trying to overplay. Stemniak has a goal to his credit. They both have a couple of assists so far, but it's more of the play style. They're playing together. They're meshing together. They're helping out their teammates. They're setting up offensive they're, opportunities. Yeah, they're creating chances, and that's a huge thing, is that this team was just lacking the guys that could really make offensive chances. They would just focus too much on shooting. It's not. It wasn't a lot of passing or like getting the puck in some gritty zones, and it just, everything was has been great recently. Yeah. Looking at the American Hockey League now, Frank Vetrano is tearing up the American Hockey League. He's tearing up the Providence Bruins. The kid is playing out of his mind right now. And you gotta wonder why he's still in Providence. I mean, I, you know, you call up Akari, and I get that. Like Akari's been playing great, taking a couple of bad penalties so far, which I'm not a fan of. But he's still been playing great. And yet, Fatrano's just sitting down there waiting, and he's just not being. Uh. I think it's I think it's an okay move, just because his confidence has got to be through the roof with how he's been playing. Oh my, my god! Like we talked about a couple, like yeah, Fatrano was a great fit, but as far as statistically, he wasn't anything special. And, like, I know we just talked about it with Stepniak and Lyles that, yeah, like, he he's a good fit, but at some point you're going to want your forwards to be scoring goals or getting assists. And Fatrano, I don't think, had a point for, like, a couple games. Yeah, and but he's more of a setup guy. But, like, I mean, still. I think this is just important. And you look at he's his confidence is going to be through the roof. If something happens before the playoffs, they know they can call him up and he'll perform at a high level. Yeah. Looking at a, another player in the American Hockey League, which I don't think we'll ever see in Boston again, Zach Ronaldo, suspended five games by the National Hockey League for his check to the head. Uh, he goes down, he gets sent down to Providence, so he's not serving a suspension. Then he gets suspended by the American Hockey League for a dirty check in the corner again. Is he going to learn? Is he ever going to get it through his skull that you can't leave with your damn elbow or throw a guy's head through a piece of glass and get away with it? It's not a hard decision to make. I mean, it, you would think after the first, like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. 
like how do you let this guy just stay on the team or like at some point you got to make a move kind of get rid of him he's just I don't know how to word it but like I guess a negative influence and you look at we're just talking about Vitrano performing well down uh, in Providence and everything like that and it's just it's just not a good thing to see. It just takes away any momentum from both NHL and AHL teams, and it's just horrible. I mean, if you're Bruins management, you don't want him back in Boston. You don't want to have a guy back on your team who has that reputation of just being dirty. Not even a good player. I mean, like, so what about his stats line? There's nothing impressive about it. But he's dirty, and that's not okay. And I don't like it. And I, I hope he's never back. He has one goal and two assists in the amount of time he's been here. In 25 games, so his stat line's crap. Not not to interrupt, but this is a little rant you're going on here. I thought I, just, I thought after all the positives in the last week, there's a lot of positives. You there's were nothing, so happy. I you know. were texting me joyfully. I know, but I've got, I've got nothing bad to say about the Bruins' performance. But what I do have to say bad is that Ronaldo just sucks. I mean, three points in the National Hockey League when he's here for 25 games. Who cares? Who misses him? Nobody. Yeah, but then you're looking at, I mean, it's, again, about style. I mean, yeah, I will agree, he's dirty, but you look at Vitrano, I don't know how many points Vitrano had, but... But he was setting guys up. All Ronaldo's doing, he had bad passes, he gave up defensively a couple times. I, I can't tell you how many times I swore at the television while he gave up a bad play. His point percentage was horrible. He had one goal and two assists. I'm not going to miss him. Get rid of him. Bye-bye. No more hockey league for him. The guy can't even play clean. You mean you can't even hit cleanly? Are you serious? It's the easiest thing in the world to do. It really is. Yeah, it, it's just it's just upsetting. That's all I'm going to say about it. I don't want to get you too riled up here. But, I mean, I think the Bruins management knows what's going on with him. Obviously, I think, what was that, his first game back and he got rejected? Yeah. And, it's just, uh, I mean, they know that a move needs to be made, and we'll see what happens. But Well, turning away from Ronaldo to the injury report for the Bruins, Chris Kelly's still out with a fractured femur. He's not coming back this year. I say it every week just so you know he still has it. Kevin Miller is out with a shoulder. He did not travel to Florida because he's nursing the hurt shoulder. We'll see what happens with him. Hopefully he comes back soon. He's been playing okay as of late. And with uh, Piggy Subban's younger brother, Malcolm, he's still nursing the uh, neck injury that he got against Portland. And... Hopefully he comes back soon. Best wishes to him on the fractured larynx going forward from there. Lastly, look at the road ahead. We have uh, three games before we talk to you guys next. Carolina and Islanders at home and San Jose on the road at the start of the California road trip. Next Wednesday, we'll focus a lot on California. But let's talk about this week coming up. It's going to be huge just because if you look at the standings right now, the Bruins are one point. I know the game, the rest of the games to be played are different and whatever, but one point behind the Rangers for second, the second seed. If you like, we talked about. It, if you had said that a couple months ago, I would not have I would believed have it. In your face. But this team is on fire. They need to keep up this momentum. And I think, I mean, we were talking about this before. That is this team a Stanley Cup contender? Personally, unless something happens to Washington, I don't think so. I think they do make a deep playoff run. I could see why them. not us. I, I know. Why not us? I know. The Sox can come back from three down in 2004. We can do it this year against the Capitals. I'm calling a Stanley Cup champions, Boston Bruins. Bold prediction for the rest of the year. I mean, if that ha- if that happens, I'll give you five dollars. I want more than five dollars. No. Well, what's the one bet we had? Something about you eating my shorts. Yes. Yeah, I forget what the bet was. We're gonna I go back. I think to I'm that. correct on that one, so I don't eat your shorts. All right. I think um, I called the Florida road trip as two wins, and you said uh, I'd have to eat your shorts. No, it was something like. Uh, it was like a six-game win streak to end them. I don't remember. But um, either way, this team is in the midst of just a huge run right now. If they can keep it up, 
who knows what will happen. That two seed will be huge for them because I think if they get stuck in the four seed, bad things could happen. They'll be facing some equal teams, and it's just not what you want to see. If they get that two seed, I mean, the whole conference is very close, but you look at some of those teams down below. I mean, you got Pittsburgh and Detroit, I believe, right now would be the yeah yeah they'd be the seven and eight seeds, and then I believe Florida yeah Florida is the six seed. So I mean, there's a lot of great talent down there, and it's a very close division and conference. So we'll see what happens. But well, I'm forward. I'm predicting conference championship appearance. Bold, but not bold enough. Ouch. All right. Why not us? Looking forward Thursday night, Carolina, seven p.m. at the Garden. John Michael Lyles playing his old team for the first time. That's going to help the Bruins because he has some info on them, I hope. He has, he knows the way they play. That's going to help us out in the long run. Islanders at 1 p.m. on Saturday. We've owned the Islanders every single time we play them, even in New York, so that's going to be fun to do. And then Tuesday at San Jose, 10 p.m. game on Nesson. That's not one of those games where it's like, that's how, a while out. How impressive would it be if we start this next podcast next week and they won each of these next three games. I would be in love. I could actually picture if they can stay. A big thing is consistency. We always talk about it. If they can stay consistent and perform how they've been performing, then I personally believe they win these next three games. We go into the next podcast and they're on a what would that be at that point? A oh gosh, five I, yeah, five game winning streak, and they've gotten a point in every game this month. If that happens, it'd be nice. To I'm have. not going to guarantee it. No, but it'd be uh, nice to have a boy can dream. Yeah, we can dream. But that's going to do it for us, the Boys of Beantown. If you have any topics you want to discuss, tweet us at Boys of Beantown or email us at boysofbeantown at gmail.com. And as always, you can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes. I'm Joshua Powers. I'm Austin Bumpus. Tune in next week for more Bruins news and updates.